3: Or call 562 314 for more details. Hyundai. today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb, and I'm Julie Douglas. And uh, today's St. Patrick's Day, uh, so we have a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun here uh, for you from the archives. An episode about leprechauns, a little bit, but also primarily about hallucination.
4: Yes, Lilliputian hallucinations. We're talking about on the tiny, tiny scale. So we hope that you guys enjoy and have a happy holiday.
1: I have always loved St. Patrick's Day. I don't have, uh, I, I'm basically of Scotch-German heritage, so I don't have that, you know, distinctive Irish roots uh, link mm-hmm. to it, and I don't have, you know, I don't have the, like, the Catholic uh, link to it uh, either, but uh, from a very early age, like my family was always into, it's St. Patrick's Day, you know, my mom's mom is a kindergarten teacher, so we would have green things, we would eat green treats. Green We'd beer? De- well, no green beer, but but maybe like a green cake or a cupcake or something. And I still, with St. Patrick's Day comes around, I'm like, I need to eat something that's green. I need to get like a pistachio cupcake or have some pistachio pudding. Um, but more importantly, we would, to a certain extent, we would celebrate the uh, the, the Irish myth of the, of the leprechaun. Uh, we would always watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People, that classic uh, Disney film with Sean Connery in it
4: wow, you guys did it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, we were big into the holidays. Okay. Um, so we would always watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Sean Connery would sing, and it was awesome. Leprechauns would run around. There was a <laughs> banshee. Um, you know, it was just it was a great film. I i still watch it from time to time.
4: I just i feel like this has really informed, like, your ideas of creatures in the world. Like, somehow this is, like, an early influence on you.
1: Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, we we really got into Halloween, and then we would really get... My big thing on on holidays is that if a holiday has magic to it, then it in creatures specifically, mm-hmm. then it's great. Like I can obviously Halloween, I love right. Uh, Christmas, you know, you know, the Christmas season can get a bit annoying when it's over commercialization, but ultimately it's a season in which, uh, on one hand, you have a magical man sneaking into your house to give you gifts there's there's krampus running around beating people yeah there's uh what's his name Brumschnickel, the uh the other uh germanic uh holiday visitor there are various takes on saint nick and then and if you get into the more religious aspect of it too you have like the the son of god being born on earth there there are all these fantastic things happening saint patrick's day is also in that vein unlike valentine's day where it's just about people are in love and stuff but but Saint Paddy's Day there's this backbone of myth and legend to it and uh, and it and it's awesome so so what is your your background with leprechaun
4: uh well quickly valentine's day clearly needs some sort of creature because yes. it's lacking that we um
1: should, we should really get into the idea of brainstorming that with our listeners
4: yeah yeah that's another that's a side project for all of us um but for me st pat's has just always been st pat's i gotta say in my family it was sort of like their santa claus is really like the dude down the street who's dressing up and <laughs> um leprechauns don't exist Julie. Really. Really? Yeah, and happy fourth oh, birthday.
1: Oh. I'm just
4: kidding. No, but really that wasn't, that's not really something that we celebrated much. But I will say that the dimin- diminutive stature of leprechauns always thought were fascinating as, as a little kid. And what I find even more fascinating is that there is a type of hallucination that deals with this, this Lilliputian quality. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today because, again, in celebration of St. Patty's Day, but also uh, as a further investigation into how the mind works and how it scales our reality.
1: All right. So the leprechaun. Uh, the leprechaun. From Irish folklore. This is a fairy shoemaker. Uh And he's, and he goes by various names, and it really depends on where you are in particular region of Ireland, uh, and or the, the history books. So you have Lucarpan, and again, this basically translates to little body. And then there are various uh, versions of that, uh, Lubrican, Lubrican, Lucarpan, Leprecan. There are all these various takes on it. But the one that we really go with today, of course, is Leprechaun. And, the leprechaun is a uh, is again a shoemaker. You generally would see him with just a single shoe. There would never be a second shoe around, which is a little suspect uh-huh. and should have been a tip off to people who end up messing with said leprechaun. Is this is
4: like waste management job. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe that's for a leprechaun uh, being a shoemaker.
1: Yeah, like you should be a little aware that where's the other shoe? There's something fishy going on. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, and this is something that'll come up if especially if the leprechaun is pressed about uh his personal belongings, uh he carries a purse. But the purse only contains a single shilling, much like a pizza delivery boy uh, only carries $20 or less. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is, oh, you're going to try and steal me gold. I only have this one shilling. But I may have lots of gold elsewhere. That's the big thing. This idea mm-hmm. uh, grows that leprechauns have access to a massive quantity of gold. And and certainly in the mythology, they do. They're paid by the fairy folk for what I'm not sure I guess repairing that one shoe mm-hmm. over and over again. So and they're they they save up their money and they're So they're
4: laundering it. the money is what you're kind saying.
1: Kind of kind of la- money okay. launders, the the leprechauns. Uh but people get this in their mind, oh there's a leprechaun. If I capture the leprechaun then I can get access to his fabulous gold. I can make him tell me where it is. And later you get into the idea of the leprechaun gives you three wishes. but ultimately the root is if you catch a leprechaun, you can totally rob him of everything he owns. That's how the, the average uh, leprechaun-chasing uh, uh, individual uh, was, was thinking. So uh, what would typically happen is you'd say, the, the classic story, of course, is the guy catches the leprechaun and says, oh, take me to your gold. Uh, and you have to know that if you look away from the leprechaun at all, Then he can vanish, he can turn invisible, he's a supernatural creature with these powers at his disposal. So what happens is the leprechaun says, Oh, I'll take you to the bush that I have the gold buried beneath. And so and who knows if this bush actually has the gold under it or not. Um it it works the trick works well either way. But uh he takes him out there and says, Oh, it's under this bush, and then the the guy who's captured the leprechaun realizes, Oh, I don't have a shovel. I have no way of digging up this gold. So he says, I know what I'll do. I'll take uh, this red bandana or this uh, this kerchief or whatever, and I'll tie it, tie this red kerchief to this bush. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go home and I'll get my shovel and I'll come back. So he lets the leprechaun free, goes back home, he gets the shovel, comes back. And what has the leprechaun done? The leprechaun has tied the red kerchief to every bush and tree in sight. So there's no way for him to remember which bush. What's he going to do? Dig up all of them? He'll try for a little bit before he loses his mind, I guess. That's the, the trickster aspect of the leprechaun.
4: Okay, see, that just takes me back to the 30-rock maxim, which is never follow a hippie to a second location. Yes. Same thing with, with the leprechaun, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he the leprechauns engage in various uh, tricks like this. Uh, they are largely solitary creatures, though they do have a king named Lubdin.
4: They're all males, too, correct?
1: Yeah, I did see some possible mention of female leprechauns, and the idea being that female leprechauns do exist, but they're even more tricky so they're, I guess they're harder to observe in mm-hmm. nature.
4: They're making that second chew.
1: Yeah. Or maybe they're less into messing around and, and, and deceiving uh, humans. Because uh, ultimately, the idea here is that uh, leprechauns are a type of fairy folk. They are fairies. And fairies, uh, the notion of fairy varies greatly around the world. But there exists a, a nearly global idea of diminutive magical humanoids. And uh, that are out there in the world, mm-hmm. um, often generally hidden from view, kind of an underworld taking place, or uh, you know, or in the natural world, or underground, or you know, somewhere that that humans are less likely to see them during the course of their day. Yeah. Um, what, what I'm trying to say is that they have a rich uh, cultural history uh, and some amazing um, mythology going on there beyond the leprechaun. But yeah. all of this relates to uh, fairy folk. Like eventually, the idea is that even these magical people were defeated by essentially the modern-day Celts. And they drive right. all of these magical people out into the peripheries of the world. But you can still glimpse them. You still see them sometimes.
4: Well, see, this is what I think is so interesting about it, is that it is so deeply ingrained in the cultural fabric, particularly in, in, when we talk about leprechauns in Ireland, right? Right. And how this really informs everybody's perception of life. And I wanted to point out a couple of things. One is that leprechauns are protected under European Union law. I kid you not.
1: This is, that was crazy to find out about.
4: Yes, at least the ones that dwell in Collingford in Ireland. Uh, the directive is an effort to preserve the rich biodiversity of the area called the Sliab Foy Loop, which is now a protected area for flora, fauna, wild animals, and leprechauns. And uh, this is a directive that was stemmed in part by a group of lobbyists who recounted a tale in 1989 of P.J. O'Hare, who happened to be over by Wishing Well, this man, mm-hmm. and he heard a scream, and he said he went to the Wishing Well, and he found, um, first of all, a patch of burnt ground, and beside this pan- patch, he found a little hat jacket, and trousers with four gold coins in the pockets. The clothes of the naked leprechaun, as uh, this leprechaun is called, are actually on display at PJ's pub in Carlingford. So, uh, you know, is this a tourist trap? Absolutely. But again, is it part of the imagination, the, the, uh, the cultural fabric? And, um, you know, I'm not saying that PJ O'Hare was, that he actually witnessed, uh, you know, this, what we see is uh, maybe a streaking leprechaun gone, gone wild. But, um, but, but perhaps PJ O'Hare was also participating in, um, you know, some sort of cultural tradition. Maybe he had too much to drink or maybe he had a hallucination. Yes. Okay. And this is where this really comes into play because uh, according to Oliver Sacks in his World Science Festival interview, about his new book on hallucinations, he says that hallucinations really are cultural in nature and specific to the individual's background. So he said that seeing miniature people is one type of hallucination, as we said, a subtype. But depending on the person's cultural background, the miniature person could be a leprechaun, a dwarf, a fairy. So yeah. that's why I think this is fascinating because... Uh, if you have this hallucination, it is colored by your perception, what you have grown up with, the sort of stories. Mm-hmm. And this is the sort of thing that might be expressed depending on um, certain external conditions or neurological conditions that you have. Uh, so, of course, if we're going to talk about these Lilliputian uh, hallucinations, and that's what they are called. Uh, we should first sort of give a little bit of an intro on h- hallucinations.
1: Yeah, it's worth noting that hallucination, as we're discussing here, it's just one way of of looking at uh, essentially paranormal experience. As we discussed in our alien abduction episode, people have always seen weird things mm-hmm. in the woods, in the skies. It used to be fairies. Then, depending on your cultural flavoring, maybe it's angels, or maybe sci-fi flavoring makes you see UFOs. We've always seen things. We've always had these experiences, and there are various ways you can explain them that range from simple imagination of a youngster to neurological disorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it's it's definitely happening for the person who's experiencing them.
4: Yeah, and uh, when we talk about hallucinations, we're talking about many different sensory modalities. Talking about visual, auditory, olfactory, gustatory, tactile, and yeah. other. Um, and you can actually, if a person is a undergoing a hallucination at the same time that they're going MRI, you can actually try to figure out the type of hallucination they're have, having by looking at the blood flow to the region of their brain so for instance if you see increased blood flow to the fusiform gyrus which is where you detect face faces then you know someone is having some sort of um visual hallucination having to do with um, perhaps even a little person um so it's kind of funny to me, because when we talk about hallucinations, we really think about them as being apart from us and otherworldly.
1: Yeah, we tend to think of them, a hallucination is seeing something in the world as it is not. It's seeing mm-hmm. the world wrong. But that that really implies that there is a correct and definitive way to experience reality.
4: Yeah, and because I was thinking about this. We really do have a very uh, tenuous line between uh, imagination and reality. And I was thinking about this in the context of our blue sky, right? Yes. Because what is the blue sky but an illusion to us? Because if you think about it, uh, the only reason why we're seeing a blue sky is because uh, violet and blue have the shortest wavelengths. And they scatter a lot more than long ones when particles like oxygen and nitrogen molecules are present. So those are the ones that are most apparent to us. So that's what we see when we're looking up in the sky. And then it's not that we just see a purple and a blue sky. No, the mind can't even really sort of deal with that because of the machinery that we have um it, with our perception of color, it kind of has to mix some of that with white until it turns out uh to this cohesive blue that we look up in the sky at.
1: So it really makes you think to to what extent am I experiencing the world around you? I mean ultimately our brain it's uh it's it's inside of uh, some bone. It's inside of some skull. It depends on these sensory uh mechanisms to experience the world and then translate that into data. So Essentially, the brain is blind anyway.
4: Well, and it's highly sensitive to suggestion. Uh, We've mentioned this before, but there's a 2011 study at Hull University in the UK, and it asked participants to imagine a color while looking at a gray pattern. And what they found is that uh, those people who were most susceptible to hypnosis, in other words, given to suggestion, they were able to actually hallucinate the colors at will when they were asked to, which was corroborated by an MRI. So again, there's this idea of you know what is you know we bring this up a lot like what is reality and how much of it is colored by our perceptions.
1: Yeah, so so much of the I mean you can argue that our perception of reality itself is a is an hallucination and any um, alteration of that is just a is just a change in the flavoring. Uh,
4: we're going to take a quick break and when we get back though we are going to talk about this specific type of hallucination that deals with uh, the detection of. Tiny things, tiny people, tiny animals.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own.
1: all right we're back and in this episode we of course started off by talking a little bit about fairy folk and leprechauns paranormal experience essentially and we're getting into the into discussion of how hallucination and particular modes of hallucination make us see tiny people and tiny things
4: yeah and you know before we start talking about um about this perception or this illusion of, of tiny people or things, I wanted to point out that it is amazing when you think about it that our eyes and our minds are able to visually reconstruct things. So, mm-hmm. um, for instance, if you have, you know, a plate on the table and a fork next to it and you continue to look back and forth at those items, your brain has to, over and over again, visually reconstruct those items and also do that um You know, in the context of moving back and forth. So, it's got the movement element and, uh, what we're talking about here is perceptual constancy. So what your mind is doing is saying that plate is still a plate and is still the dimension that it is, is still the scale that it is. And this is a lot of work for your brain to do and your eye to do to take in all of this data and make us feel as though we are on the same uh, constant state where things are, are are the same and have a constancy to them.
1: Yeah, one of the things that this discussion of hallucination really drives home is that sight and our perception, are uh, the, the, the mental processes that make sight possible, are pretty complex, mm-hmm. and uh, the the least little bit of something can can go wrong or or change, and it can uh, can have some pretty dramatic effects on how you perceive reality.
4: Yeah, it's funny because you really do take it for granted how stable the images are around you and how stable the story that that your perception is telling you is, uh, all because of these different parts of your brains working in concert. There is something called micropsia or Alice in Wonderland syndrome. And this is when objects actually appear smaller. And it's not necessarily the mechanics of the eyes, but it's really the interpretation of the data that causes the objects in the visual field to appear minuscule. So when you have these Lilliputian hallucinations, um, they are forming complex visual hallucinations of people, objects, or animals that are greatly reduced in size. Or
1: sometimes exaggerated. Yes, sometimes exaggerated. Which also, you know ends up going into all sorts of mythological possibilities there as well
4: right we've got some examples too Mm -hmm. that that really sort of dwell on this and uh, the hallucinations are vivid and they evoke varied responses including fear anxiety or even pleasure Um, they've been seen across the board in people who are experiencing delirium tremens uh, from alcohol withdrawal people who have eyesight problems such as macular degeneration Mm -hmm. and people with mental disorders like schizophrenia uh, although in schizophrenia, even though hallucinations are, are more common, this type of hallucination, this lilliputian, is very rare.
1: Yeah, and uh, most of the cases that we were looking at with lilliputian, uh, it's a it's a situation where the person is is otherwise mentally fine. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not a disturbed individual or a quote unquote crazy person. Uh, it's not like, oh, that crazy person on the street seeing little people. Of course they are. They're crazy. No. It's, uh, for instance, one of the the cases that Oliver Sacks talks about in, in his book, Hallucinations, which is excellent. Highly recommend anyone at all interested in this pick that up. It's very readable. Just a great book. Uh, in his book, he talks about a patient uh, that he refers to as Zelda, uh, who he treated in 2009. She was an historian. And uh, some of the hallucinations that she Uh, ended up seeing included uh, she saw a great-granddaughter, she saw a trio of witches, she saw her hair rising up in the mirror like it was weightless, she saw tiny people crawling out of the TV, she saw gaily-dressed figures sort of parading around, she saw six ominous tall men in brown suits around her hospital bed, Mm -hmm. she saw little men in green caps, and she saw small fairy-like children uh, sort of moving around as well. Just to give you an idea, because a lot of these hallucinations, they, again, its things are larger or smaller than they need to be. Um, so you're, you're encountering giants. You're encountering little people. Oftentimes, they're, they're really brilliant to behold. The color scheme will be amazing. So you in the, the, the costuming, if they, if costumes are perceivable, the costumes will be crazy and, and, and exotic right. and bright. So you can really see where the idea of a fairy folk can emerge from this. Because, oh, they were little people, and they were dressed like they were from another world. And their, their colors were unreal, And magical.
4: Well, and they were mischievous too, right? A lot of times, these accounts have um, the 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 little people that are running around doing various things that are nefarious. Or
1: yeah, and they're disappearing or they're reappearing. They're not necessarily obeying the physical laws of our world.
4: Now, these are called release hallucinations because it's thought that they are released or instigated by the removal of normal visual afferent input into the association cortex. So in the case of Zelda, there was um reduced blood flow to the optical and parietal lobes. Yeah. And so this caused the hallucinations. Um, but probably one of the um one of the things that is most associated with this is something called the Charles Bonnet syndrome.
1: Yes, or CBS. Uh, and this is a common condition among people with compromised vision. So when we're saying compromised vision, of course, we're not saying the person is necessarily completely blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be suffering from just uh, age-related macular degeneration, cataracts, glaucoma, diabetic eye disease. Their sight may be somewhat limited, but they're still able to visually perceive the world to a certain degree.
4: Yeah, the idea is that the information received from your eyes actually stops the brain from creating its own pictures. So when you lose your sight or partially lose your sight or it's damaged, your brain is not receiving as much information from your eyes as it's used to, and it begins to fill in those gaps by creating yeah. this sort of fantasy uh, pictures or patterns. And then when this occurs, you experience the images stored in your brain as hallucinations.
1: Yeah, it's kind of this idea that the world that we live in, because you can... We look at, at like when we're just looking around a room. We're looking at particular little spaces, and then we're then we're moving in another little space. We're we're kind of basically the world that we're in exists in our minds, mm-hmm. and we use our vision to constantly upgrade the details of that mental image that we interact with.
4: There was a uh, one case of a Mississippi, an eighty-year-old woman. She complained of little people dressed in blue and gray leaves hiding in her cupboard, her uh, cupboards and she also saw a tiny black cat from time to time and her chief complaint was that the little people like to watch her undress ah. so uh of course she was examined they found that her cognitive functions were fine mm-hmm. fine fine and uh and that it really again it came down to impairments in her visual field again creating this story from this lack of information that was being processed
1: another interesting aspect about um uh uh, lillocutions, especially as a, as a related to CBS. Uh, Oliver Sacks points out that most CBS hallucinations are ultimately it's inspiring, pleasant, even mm-hmm. friendly. Um, not to say they all are, there, there will be some that are a little disturbing, such as the, the, the brown, uh, dressed men that are really tall, they're around Zelda's hospital bed. Yeah. That was, that was ominous in nature. But for the most part, they tend to be lighter and more amusing and, and, and magical in a, in an uplifting sense. Whereas there's a lot that goes on with, with paranormal experience. Be it, uh, alien abduction that is root uh, scenario which is rooted in, uh, say sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. which is terrifying because your, your mind body connection is doing something weird and, add a little flavoring to it from whatever your your worldview or mythology is, and it's a, it can be a terrifying situation. But with CBS, you tend to see these more sort of like, huh, there are little people in my closet. That's totally
0: cool, but I would rather them not look at me while I'm naked. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
4: Yeah, there's this idea, too, that perhaps, um, you know, it has an adaptive function in terms of people who, in general, with hallucinations, not just little people, mm-hmm. that if someone has lost someone, and uh, particularly in the elderly, if they hallucinate, you know, maybe a loved one who's departed, that this is a source of comfort
1: yes. to them. So. Yes, yeah, and bereavement, hallucinations, so yeah. a whole area as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's this idea that we're, as one, well, if we're losing our ability to update the mental image in our head, mm-hmm. we're having to update it internally. Like, imagine you're in, inside your house and you're wanting to paint an image of your backyard. So, you look out the back window every day and you paint a little more of this image and you update it a little more. And then one day your windows are walled up or they're frosted over and you can't see out them all that well. Well, then you have to, maybe you're listening, maybe you're, uh, you're drawing on your memory to try and, and, uh, and, and alter that picture and make it uh, as accurate as possible, but then inevitably you're bringing in uh, errors, you're bringing in um, even magical creations into that painting. That
4: reminds me of um, Anton's Syndrome when you have someone who is trying to replace, i put in quote, their, their uh, reality with a hallucination to simulate eyesight. Because oh,
1: because this occurs in generally people that are really like totally blind yes. or extremely uh, deteriorated. Totally eyesight.
4: blind from cortical damage, mm-hmm. um, and, and that damage can be caused by stroke, um, and this affects the optic lobes. So these people are absolutely unaware of their blindness, and they ins- insist that they can still see.
1: Yeah, like they'll say... They'll you'll say like hey you you're blind don't try and walk across the living room because there are toys all over the floor and they'll say I can totally see and like right. they, they believe they can see now they'll they'll end up stepping on the toys because ultimately they they, they can't they are blind mm-hmm. but uh, but to them they feel they're experiencing reality if you tell them hey uh, describe that person sitting on the couch over there they won't blink they'll just describe the person the description may be completely wrong or it, it may be reasonably correct based on. Previous knowledge of the individual, you know, whatever, but the, but they won't hesitate because in their in their mind they do see
4: and see. I find that example so fascinating, uh, just because that really does point to this adaptive function. Because if you have lost your your eyesight and you are lacking that uh, stimuli, then your brain is just making a simulacrum of that of yeah. reality, uh, which I think is just fascinating.
1: Sachs also shared an account of uh, a patient who, in, in the in the nineteen eighties, with a blind patient, uh, went on a drinking binge and saw again while in the midst of this this drinking binge. Mm-hmm. Like the, the next morning, remembered having seen uh, as if his sight had returned.
4: But it was a hallucination. It was an hallucination.
1: You know? Yeah. But, and again, it just all it, a lot of this really drives home just how complex sight is and how and how complex our our observation of the world is to and to what extent is is all of our sight a, a hallucination?
4: Yeah, again, this idea that there's this uh, this visual constancy that goes on that we just that's running in the background and we don't even think about uh, how tenuous that is.
1: So, as uh, Oliver Sacks points out, uh, uh, Lilliputian hallucinations can also occur in migraines, uh, particularly. He uh, points out uh, the migraine blog by uh, Siri Hustvit on uh, New York Times. Which is a blog just about uh, the author's experiences with mm-hmm. migraines. Now, I—I I, do you experience migraines? I do, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What are they like for you? Do you ever see anything with them? Uh,
4: sometimes I've seen lights, and uh, actually, a, a good many of the females in my family have histories of really like pretty intense histories with migraines, and they complain of uh, something they call an aura. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling, and and they also get the strobe light effect.
1: Interesting. I, I've never experienced a migraine. My father used to get them, and I think my my sister experiences them from time to time as well but in their their, their more extreme nature there it's almost like a supernatural experience like mm-hmm. it's it's like something from another world is reaching out and, and touching your brain rather painfully uh, but in in a certain way illuminatingly for a, a few seconds or minutes or, or, or what have you um,
4: and again what we're talking about is uh, it- a sort of impairment of the visual field yeah. here, right?
1: Yeah, people will see lights, like you said, geometric patterns, uh, flashes of light, zigzags, uh, blind spots, shimmering spots or stars, mm-hmm. auras, and in some cases, tiny men and tiny animals. <laughs> uh, in On the Migraine blog, the author uh, was talking about how they were reading a, reading a book lying there, um, and they looked down, and they saw a small pink man and his pink ox Perhaps six or seven inches high. So, uh, the author says they were perfectly made creatures, and except for their color, they looked very real. They didn't speak to me, but they walked around, and I watched them with fascination and a kind of um, amiable tenderness. They stayed for some uh, minutes and then disappeared. I have often wished they would return, but they never have. Um, which is it's just uh, uh, amazing to think of that. You know, you just said this migraine hits, and you look yeah. down, and there's a little pink farmer and his ox, and they're they're not really concerned with you, which which ties in nicely with when we are talking about um, fairy experiences and, mm-hmm. and alien experiences, paranormal experiences around the world, they vary so much. Sometimes it is a terrible experience where you're like, oh, I'm being abducted by aliens or I'm tormented by demons. But in other cases, it's, it's a, a matter of, for a brief second, you have a peek into a magical world just beyond our own.
4: Well, I think uh, anybody who has ever had a really bad migraine can attest to One of the things that is probably interesting to them, as well as me, is that when you have an awful one, it feels like the fog is rolling in, and it to some degree, it does feel like your vision is being affected, not just with the strobe light effect, but as if um, something's just kind of moving over your brain like a cloud. Yes. So it's interesting to see that that sort of deprivation of stimulation or stimuli w- might manifest itself with a Lilliputian hallucination.
1: Yeah. In, in the, uh, the book, Sachs points out that uh, in a migraine, a wave of, quote, electrical excitation... Slowly moves across the visual cortex, mm. and on the way, it's possible that it directly directly stimulates clusters of orientation-sensitive neurons in the visual cortex. And this direct stimulation causes patterns patients to see shimmering light, zigzag fortifications, etc. As we and as we see the wave move through the brain during a migraine, when we're looking uh, at brain scans, uh, it's 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 matching the movement of the shimmering bars in the patient's sight.
4: Huh. So yeah. that that's very interesting. That that sense of movement isn't necessarily an illusion.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's 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 uh, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm not envious of people who have to deal with migraines because, like I say, it's just a normal headache suffer. Um, I would see my father get these migraines, and and I it was like, wow, how can a headache be that bad that you just you know that you're you're just you know gripping your skull? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never had had a, had a headache that bad, uh, but uh, but now that now that I, I see a little bit more that, that's involved in it, I can totally get it. So there you have it, leprechauns, hallucinations, a uh, fun little topic that we did. And, uh, you know, today was a perfect day to bring it back out for your amusement. Hey, uh, in the meantime, check out the rest of StuffToBlowYourMind.com, where you'll find all of our podcasts, videos, blog posts, and links out to our social media accounts.
4: You can also drop us a line, and you can do that by sending us an email to BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: No hidden fees. No surprises. No, really. What are you waiting for?
1: Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay
2: Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits...
3: Zumo Play.